here in the scripture. And so if I'm going to teach about sacrifice, it can't just be a message about bring me your money. Bring your tithes and offer to the storehouse. We have to get to the meat of why we sacrifice. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be dealing with four things. I want you to write these down because I want you to hold me accountable for it. These are things that I need you to learn. These are things I need you to know. Thing number one, I want us to get to the point which we're going to discuss today. We're going to understand the purpose of a sacrifice. We're going to get to understand the purpose of the sacrifice. Thing number two that we're going to develop as we move forward is that we're going to understand the problem with sacrifice. What is the problem with sacrifice? On week three, we're going to go further and we're going to understand the process of a sacrifice. How do we sacrifice? What is the process of a sacrifice? And in week number four, we're going to deal with understanding the promise of a sacrifice. These are the four things that we're going to be dealing with for the next four weeks because I want to change your perspective, your understanding of the purpose. I want to change the way you look at your problems. And then I want to make sure that you understand the process so that we can get to the, the ultimate goal of understanding the promise, which is the potential of sacrifice. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to stand before you. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before you and share your word with your people. And God, I am praying that something will be said in the lives of the people today that will move them and shape them to be more like you desire for us to be. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. In this text, we come to understand that Cain and Abel are the firstborn children of who? Adam and Eve. Y'all can talk back to me today. This ain't just me talking. Cain and Abel is the firstborn children of who? Adam and Eve. Now, there's an issue here because Cain and Abel are the firstborn children. The text tells us what? That Cain is the firstborn. Cain is the firstborn. Abel is the secondborn. Cain has the responsibility to do what? Tend to the land. His job is to tend to the land, to provide, to make sure the crops grow, to do everything that he's supposed to do. Abel's job is to tend to the flock, the cows, the pigs, the, the, the sheep, all of these great things. That is their job. But they have a responsibility every year at the beginning of the year uh, and periodically throughout the year that they make what they call an offering to God. They bring an offering to God. I want you to notice something. In this time, the tithe has not became uh, a law. The tithe is not present. This is just something that they said. They want to bring an offering. They want to bring a sacrifice. They want to give something from themselves to, to God to show several different things about who God is. They want to honor who God is. They want to show their appreciation. They want to pay reverence to who God is. So, therefore, they bring an offering to God. Now, we're today, we're discussing, we're discussing the purpose of a sacrifice. In other words, pastor is not going to stand up here and say, you're going to hell if you don't tithe. You're going to hell if you don't give an offering. But I want you to understand the purpose of a sacrifice, your offering, your tithe, your service, all of these things. What is the purpose of a sacrifice? Why do I want you to understand this? Because I believe that in order for us to see some serious things happen in our lives in 2018 and from this on, we have to begin to be serious about what we do for God. And I want us to understand that what we do for God, whether it's giving financially, whether it's our lifestyle, whatever it is, giving or living, it is a sacrifice to God. I need you to realize that, that your giving should be a reflection of your living. In other words, the way you live should be 
exemplified through the way that you give. Now, catch this. Your, your living should also be a reflection of your giving. And what you give to should show what, what's most important to you, how you invest in things in your life. Amen? And so this is the things that we're looking for in the text. Cain and Abel are in a situation where Cain is about to kill Abel. And the reason he's doing it is because he's jealous. He's jealous of the sacrifice. He's jealous of the sacrifice that God has accepted on behalf of his brother Abel. And as a result of it, Cain gets upset. And Cain is ready to put Abel to death because of the fact. Matter of fact, Cain goes to the place where Abel works and he kills him in his own field. He kills him in his own field because he was jealous of the fact that God accepted Cain's Abel's sacrifice, but rejected Abel's sacrifice. It's a lot that we deal with in this, in this text, but I want to make sure that we get to the foundation of why we give, why we serve in the first place. Because I know for me, even as a pastor, I tithe, I give offerings, but oftentimes it's a struggle when I begin to think about my personal bills, my personal finances, my personal responsibilities. When I think about what I could have did with that money that I gave to God or what I could have did with that time that I gave to the church. Some people won't even wake up and come to church on Sunday morning. They won't make the Sunday morning sacrifice because they believe that Sunday is the only day that they are liable, uh, able to get rest. But they should understand that the church is the place that not only will allow you to have rest, but it will recharge you in order for you to go and fight even more the next week. Amen? And so people are failing to make the sacrifice, and I believe it's not because they don't have enough time. People are failing to give financially, and I believe it's not because they don't have enough money. Because there's some people that won't give $5 to the church, but they'll give $5 to Whataburger. And then not even be satisfied with the service they receive. So the problem is not that we don't have enough money. The problem is not that we don't have enough time. We don't understand the purpose of it. I know why I give $5 a Whataburger because, look, I'm thinking about some watermelon today. God bless you. Uh, I know why I give $5 a Whataburger because of the fact that I expect them when I get to that window for them to hand me out a bacon cheeseburger made with mayonnaise, no tomatoes, my fries with that good black ketchup on the side. That's what I'm looking for. I understand the process. I give you money, you give me food. Amen? And because I understand the process, what happens? I do it without a problem. I remember when they first created those two drive-through windows. I still don't understand it today. But you know what? They had a process. I pay at the first window. I get my food at the second window. Now, catch this. How many of us would have had a problem with those two drive-through windows if we paid at the first window and got nothing at the second window? The whole purpose of this process was to speed it along. I give you my money while I wait. When I get to the next window, my food is there ready. I don't know about you, but I hate when I get to the second window and they say, can you pull up to the side? I done gave you all the time in the world to get ready. I ordered around the corner. It was five cars in front of me. I paid at the first one, got to the second one to get my food. This can't be fast food because y'all ain't fast enough. I understand the process. And because of, I understand the process, I invest in it. Amen? I believe in order for people to begin to invest in the church, begin to invest in themselves, begin to allow God to invest in their lives, you have to understand the process of sacrifice. I believe that some of us are giving $5 in the basket, not because that's all we got to give. It's because we don't understand the process. 
We don't understand how it works. I believe some of us are only tithing, and I want to make sure that you understand this because we're so quick to talk about the people who only give $5, but there's some people in here that are able to do more than they do. They're able to serve more. They're able to give more, but we only give the minimum, the tithe, because we think the tithe is what I'm responsible for, which is the minimum. And so you're saying that, God, you only deserve my minimum. I don't know about you, but I want God to give me more than his minimum. I want him to give me abundant. I want to see him open up the windows of heaven and pour out. So I don't want to just come and give God the hour that I'm supposed to give him in service. I want to give him more. But some of us think we're safe because we tithe. But the truth is, some of us only tie because it's the minimum. And we do that because we don't really understand the purpose. In this text today, man, I want to blow your minds because my mind was blown. When I thought about why we give to the church, I want some crowd participation today. I want you to help me. What are some of the reasons that we have been taught? And be honest, what are some of the reasons that we have taught that this is the reason we're supposed to give? What are some of the reasons? Talk to me. What we got? Anybody? Show faith in God. Same one? <laughs> Help pay the bills. That's, that's the pastor favorite one right there. These lights don't come on until y'all put something in the basket. We can't serve until we give. Amen. So show faith in God. Amen. Help pay the bills. What else? Anybody else got growth? Can we say growth? Because it's in the Bible, then you know, but the preachers only teach about the part that benefit the church more than anything, right? Justice, you have something? Nothing? You got something? You don't know. This is crowd participation. Whatever you got, just as a, I'm gonna make up something for you. Just listening uh, to, to help get the kids candy for children's church. Amen. That's why we give. Amen. I understand. I understand. To be obedient to, for the Lord asked for. All of these are great reasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say they're right. I'm not going to say they're wrong. We can find reasons to justify them in the Bible. Can I be honest for a minute? As believers, we can use whatever scripture we want to make us feel good about what we do and what we don't do. Amen? We can find a text to try to change things. Amen? But today I want us to get serious about why we give. I want us to get an understanding about why we give. And the first place that we should always find the understanding of why we give is the first place giving was mentioned. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 8 is the first place giving was mentioned in the Bible. This is the first place giving was mentioned from man to God. Not God giving to us, but this is the first place that was mentioned where man gave to God. And I believe that in this text, there's a few things that we should learn. And one of the first things that I think we should learn is why do we give? I want to read something to you. In the Bible, it's the conversation between, G, between our Heavenly Father, God, and Cain when he was angry. Amen? Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. Matter of fact, go to verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, this is our Heavenly Father speaking to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance failed? Now, we can use common sense and apply that the reason Cain was upset was because of the fact that God accepted whose offering? Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering. Amen? That's like a slap in the face to him. I'm the firstborn. This is my baby brother. You took from him and honored him, but you didn't take from me what I had given to you. What I offered you was not good enough. And as a result of it, he was walking around, pouting in his feelings. The Bible says his countenance failed. His emotions were showing is what the Bible shows. Then he goes on to say, if you do well, 
Will not your countenance be lifted up? How is my countenance going to be lifted up because I do well? Because if I do well, then God would have accepted it. And as a result of it, I will feel better about myself and my life. I want you to understand that. If I do well, then I will feel well. Amen? It doesn't mean that you will get more. It just means that you're going to feel better. If I do my best, I'll feel my best. Amen? This is what the text tells us. And then he goes on to say, and if you do not, oh, do well. The Bible says sin is crouching at your door. And it has a desire for you. But you must master it. Justice, come here quickly. Come here quickly, Justice. Justice always gives me a high five. He always gives me a dap. He always shows me love every day of his life. I know you're too small to be on camera, but I promise the people who are watching this later on video, there's a little bitty fella standing right here by me. Justice, I want you to for a minute today, not for a lifetime, but just for a minute, I want you to be the bad guy. Can you do that for me? Can you be the bad guy for me? High five on that thing. Look at everybody and say, I'm the bad guy. Amen. Justice, justice is the bad guy. Justice is at my front door. Justice is at my front door. The Bible says that sin is crouching, which means it's at a point where if I don't look down at it, I won't see it. I'm going to look over it. I'm going to miss it. And that's something that we really need to understand because the enemy puts our fall right in front of us but in a position where we can't see it. See, on the other side of the enemy is the promise that God has for us. But the catch is God told us to go out the back door, but the enemy is telling us to go out the front door. He says, why do you want to go this way? Why do you want to go this way to get what you want from God when it's right there? Why do you want to take the long way around? Why do you want to be challenged and, and, and have to go through hard times just to receive. You can just take the shortcut. But what he didn't say is that there's a little bitty short fellow right in front of you that the minute that you walk out of the door, the Bible says it in verse 7, he says, it has a desire for you. It has a desire for you. So literally, Justice, can you hug me real good around my legs? Hug me real good around my legs, real quickly. Hug me, hug me, grab me, don't let me go. It has a desire for you to keep you from moving forward. Hey, I don't know about you. But I would rather go the way that God wants me to go to receive what God has for me than to be caught in a trap. And all I can do is look at what God has for me. And I'm finding myself stuck in a place because I wanted to take the shorter way. I wanted to figure out my way to do things, my way to receive. And then the thing is that because of the fact that sin has you, now you're trying to go back and do it God's way all of a sudden. But guess what you're doing? You got, you're dragging this baggage along with you. This is the reason why Christ has to separate us from sin. Sin has a desire for us. It's not that we have a desire for sin. Sin craves us. Why? Because the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to kill. He wants to take everything away from each one of us. All right, Justice, go grab a seat. He wants to take everything away from each one of us. And so what does the enemy do? The enemy manipulates us into thinking we shouldn't do what God is asking us to do. We shouldn't give. We shouldn't tithe. We shouldn't serve. We shouldn't go to church because none of it makes a difference anyway. This is not what God has for you. I can have a relationship with God right where I am. I don't have to be a part of it. All of this is what we feel. 
All of this is what we feel. Why? Because the enemy is whispering in our ears. You know the reason why Cain was so jacked up? Because he got in his feelings because the enemy was whispering in his ears. God didn't tell him he had to do anything extra. God simply just said, if you do well, you'll what? Get well. You'll feel well. And so it leads us to believe that whatever Cain did was not well. I don't know if he didn't give him the first fruit. I didn't know if he didn't make the best offering. I didn't know if he, he gave grudgingly, if he gave God all the rotten fruit, if he gave God less than what he was supposed to get. The Bible didn't tell us that. It just simply says that what he did, he did not do it well. Amen? Amen. He did not do it well. So I begin to ask myself, I begin to ask myself, God, what is the reason that you desire for us to give? He didn't say nothing about give so my church can grow in the first giving. He didn't say anything about give so that the homeless can have things to eat. All of that stuff comes later. It's a responsibility of being a Christian. Those are things that happen later. Those are the responsibilities of the giving. But why does God want us to give? And I learned by reading this text, by looking at the old story that they used to tell us in, 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 in Sunday school about Cain and Abel, I learned that the reason we sacrifice, the reason we give an offering, the reason we sacrifice is to obtain self-control. I need you to write that down. I need you to write that down. We sacrifice to learn self-control. That is why we tithe. That is why we give offerings. That is why we come to church on Sunday morning. That is why we serve. That is why we go out and share the gospel, to learn self-control. This is what God's plan was for us, is for us to learn self-control. Look at what the text says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance failed? If you did well, will you not feel well? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and it desires, and its desire is for you. You must do what? Master it. He didn't say, I'm going to master it for you. He didn't say, avoid it. He said what? Master it. So catch this. If you have an addiction with pornography or, or relationships, pornography is just not going to disappear out of your life. You have to what? Master it. If you have an addiction with drugs or alcohol, it's not just going to run away from you. You have to do what? Master it. If you have a problem with anger and frustration, cheating in your marriage, whatever it is, being depressed, it's not going to get away from you. Why? Because it has a desire for you, and you are designed to what? Master it. God's plan for us has not changed from day one. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he told them that the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. He says, master it, subdue it. Put it under your control. And so when we are putting ourselves in a position to know why we sacrifice, we are putting time and our finances under our control instead of letting the time and the finance control us. Why I don't come to church? I just don't have enough time. Well, why don't you start managing your time? Why don't I give the money to the church? Or why don't I give more money to the church? Because I don't have more money. Why don't you manage your money? Master it. Instead of making excuses for why we don't do it, why don't we begin to master it, take back the control over it 
that it has over us. This is what God is saying to Abel, to Cain in the text. The reason why you're so jacked up is because your way of thinking is jacked up. We as believers have to obtain better self-control. Why do we sin? We don't sin because the enemy is stronger than us. We sin because we lack self-control. We sin because we lack self-control. And that's what I want to teach about today because I believe that in order for you to begin to be serious about your sacrifices for God, whatever they may be, you first have to understand how important self-control is in your life. If you don't realize we're in this situation that we're in now because Eve and Adam lack self-control. They lack self-control. Self-control is two things we're going to talk about today. And the first thing that we're going to understand that self-control is, self-control is prioritizing. Self-control, in order for you to have self-control, you have to prioritize. And what does that mean? I have to have a mental understanding of what's most important to me in my life. I have to have a mental understanding. I have to prioritize what is most important to me in my life. When we think about the story of Adam and Eve, when she was in the garden and the enemy tried to, to deceive her, attempted to deceive her, her thing was that she, she knew God said not to do it, but guess what? She said that, that it looks good. Maybe something wonderful will happen, and the, and the devil said, well, you won't die. You won't surely die. He says to her that the, God doesn't want you to do it because he knows that if you do it, you're going to be just like him. You're going to know, know just as much as he does. I was talking to a preacher this day that came by, and we get so upset that they ate the, ate the tree, but we don't understand why they ate of this tree. And my thing is, we thought that they, people think that God was trying to keep them from, from sin. What God was really trying to keep them from was hurt. He was trying to keep them from hurt. He was trying to keep them from understanding good and evil. He was trying to keep them from self-destruction. Why? Because the enemy... Satan had self-destruct. He lacked self-control. He thought he was better than God. And when God said to them, when he was speaking, when he was speaking amongst himself, he said, we got to put man out of the garden simply because they are just like us now. Now, I want you to realize that that should cause a problem with us because we were created in God's image. We were already like him. So what is the we're just like him now means? We now knew the difference between good and evil right and wrong. See, before that, we knew all good. Everything was perfect. But by eating of that, it exposed us to the negative side of life. See, that's the problem with many of us. We don't understand that whatever God is trying to do in our lives is not to hinder you, not to restrict you, but he's trying to keep you from being exposed to the negative side of life. People don't understand why it's best, uh, young ladies don't understand why it's best to get married before you have intercourse. They think, well, this is what I have to do. I got to test the product. I got I to gotta go down this road. I got to see if it's a right fit for me. But how many times have your heart been broke and you've been left alone because of the fact you did it your way and not God's way? How many times have you cried because you felt like somebody misused you and treated you bad? God didn't put that in the Bible to say, I don't want you to enjoy life. He put that in the Bible so that you can, can avoid the pain, the hurt of going through that. That's just one example of how we can avoid things within our lives. And we often think that God is just trying to restrict me. He don't want me to enjoy this life. God created this life. He created this for you. 
How foolish is it to think that the fact that he created all of this for you, that he doesn't even want you to enjoy it. He created it for your enjoyment. He put everything under your power. But the thing is that you have to get to a point where you can have enough self-control that you're not worried about what people are going to say about you or how people are going to feel about you, that you can say, you know what, I understand. I am going to prioritize what's mentally more important to me. The Bible says, so is a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, for things to change in your life, you have to fix it here first. Change the way you, you think about it. Now, I remember my dad used to tell me, is the glass half empty or half full? It's all a matter of your perspective. You have to prioritize, and there's a few things, a couple of things, really, that we need to prioritize in our lives. They're very simple. You have one is the right, one is the left. The first thing that we need to understand is what we need to prioritize, and that is how do we view ourselves from a spiritual perspective and a physical perspective? What is more important to me? Is my spiritual life more important to me or my physical life more important to me? I want you to understand this. Spiritual is eternal. Physical is temporary. I don't know about you, but if I had to make an investment, I would make an investment in the eternal before I made an investment in the spiritual. My dad worked... Two, three jobs when I was growing up as a kid. Two, three jobs, had to make sure the family ate. There was always this one for sure job. The hard regency was his one for sure job. No matter what he did in his part time, that one for sure job is what he did. There are some times where my dad was sick, couldn't, didn't feel like getting up, couldn't go to work. Didn't, I don't think he should have went to work. Now, guess what? The part time job, he might have said, uh, no, I'm not going to make it. But when it came time to report to the full-time job, the job that provided food on his table, that paid his light bills, his water bills, his mortgage, that gave his kids the medical insurance that they needed to go to the doctor, what was most important, guess what he did? He did it. The part-time job would call and say, I need you to come in today. He said, no, I can't because I, I have a full-time job that is my true responsibility Oftentimes, the respect that we should give our spiritual, we are giving to our physical. The respect, the honor that we should give to eternity, we're giving to the limited. We're giving it to what doesn't really matter because of the fact in our mind we think this matters. I think that the relationship I'm in here on earth matters more than the relationship that God has for me. I think the sacrifices I'll make to this individual here on earth is worth much more than the sacrifices I make to the God I serve. And as a result of our priorities not being in line, we lack self-control. We lack self-control. God's whole point for him was do better, you'll get better. He didn't say that he was going to give him better. Just do better, you'll get better. It's all within your control. He didn't say pray more. He just said, do better. You'll get better with your sacrifice. Do what's right. You will get better. The reason why many of us are in the situation we're in now is not because of God. Can I be honest with you? It's not because of God. And, and I finally got to the point, I can't preach hard enough. 
I can't teach hard enough on giving as we've learned in the Baptist and the Kojic and other. I want to just teach you from the Bible's perspective. This is why God wants you to give. This is why God wants you to serve. This is why God wants you to come to church. Because when you make a conscious decision to put God first and everything else last, you have put yourself in a better position to establish self-control over your life. Why? Because the enemy, sin, is waiting for you at the front door. He's waiting for you to walk out of God's house instead of staying in the safety of his presence. He's waiting for you to say, God, I don't want to do it your way, and you walk out. And the minute you do, sin grabs you. You wonder why things go right for a little while and fall shortly after. You wonder why you're steady banging at the door trying to get back in, but sin is holding you tight. It has, you, can I tell you something? It's easier to avoid sin once than avoid it twice. Can I, can I help you understand that? Have you ever seen somebody that quit smoking once? It was pretty easy for them the first time. It might have been a little difficult, but the second time they try to quit smoking, it's a little harder. It gets a little harder. Why? Because they now have fallen weak to that sin before. It's easy to to fall in love with God the first time. It's hard once you've turned your back on him to get back there again. Because you have more burdens. You have more things that the enemy has put upon you that is trying to keep you from doing what is right. You've taken on more demons. You've taken on more problems. God tells Cain, just fix your attitude. I don't know if Cain didn't give enough. I don't know. Cain gave him the worst. I just know he didn't give him his best. And because he didn't do well, he didn't get well. He didn't prioritize what was most important because we know Abel prioritized. How do we know Abel prioritized? The Bible says he gave the firstlings. That's the newborn babies. He gave, here, God, take my firstlings. Take the firstborn. You can have, and then he says he gave the fatty portions, which was the best calf that he had, the one that had the, the, the most steaks inside of it. The, the, the ground beef was the best inside of that. He said, God, you can have my best. I'll take the rest. But instead, we want to give God the rest and keep the best for ourselves. And we wonder why we're not receiving what we think we should receive from God. We're, we're wondering why we're walking around sad, miserable, and I can hear God with my spiritual ear saying to many of us, if you do well, you'll get well. But if you do bad, sin is resting at your door. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Now, I want to give you the second point, and then we're going to get ready to get out of here. We're going to get ready to get out of here. Not only is self-control teaches you how to prioritize, self-control encourages how you perform. The way you think is who you become. If you prioritize and get an understanding mentally, then what you believe mentally, you begin to attempt to carry out physically. Can I get an amen on that? If I put it in my mind, then I may be able to put it into action. If I get an understanding of who God is and what God expects of me, then I may be able to do what God is asking me to do. This is why Abel gave God his best, because he believed, God, you deserve the best. You matter. You're watching me. You're important. It can make a difference. And so, therefore, he brought God his best. 
Where Cain on the other end, his mind state didn't put God in that category. And as a result of it, he just thought he could give God anything. And so what he believed, he did. And the problem with that is that many of us don't understand that God only gives us what we deserve. He gives us what we deserve. I got two kids. I love both of my children the same. They are, they, they are my children. They are my heart. They are my passion. But one may perform one way and another performs another way. And as a result of that performance, their reward is different. Can I get an amen on that? Their reward is different. I can tell both of them, Isaiah, Madison, go clean your room. Isaiah is at an age where he understands what it means to clean his room. Madison is too. But Madison would rather stand in the hallway and begin to cry and whine about why she doesn't want to do it. It's too hard. While Isaiah, he just goes in there chunking stuff, putting stuff where it's supposed to be. And as a result of it, he gets to have fun faster than Madison does. And then she stands there crying and mad. He watching TV. He did what he was supposed to do. Same thing when it's bath time. Isaiah's at the point now, he understands, I don't care who's first, I don't care who last. When it's my turn to take a bath, I'm going to jump in the bathtub because the sooner I get in, the sooner I can get out. Madison, she wants to whine, Daddy, can you bathe me? I don't want to be here by myself, Daddy. And she drags the process out. And as a result of it, by the time she get out, it's TV time is up, it's time to go to bed. And then her new argument is, but I didn't get to watch TV. But you didn't do what you were supposed to do. The way we see things mentally should be led by the way we experience and what we know spiritually. When we have a spiritual understanding, it should affect our mental train of thought, which should change how we physically respond to things within our lives. So when you think about why do I not give, why do I not serve, why, do I, why am I always late to church, why, why am I in this situation where I can't sacrifice to God, why do I make excuses for anything that has to do with God, it may be because you lack self-control because of the fact that you have not gotten to the point where you have made a conscious decision to prioritize what's most important to you. Is the spiritual being or the fleshly being the most important thing to me. What matters most to me is what I should invest in most. Because the Bible says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all other righteousness shall be added unto you. If I give God my time, he'll give me all the time I need. Some of you might be complaining about the job that you're on because it's, it's too many hours. It's stressing you out. You don't get to make it to church when you want to. But what happens if you give God more time and he's able to change the job that you're on to free up more of your time? But many of us are steady praying, God, do something. Change something. But the problem is that because of the fact we're not doing what we're supposed to do, God can't give us what he already has for us. God's plan was never for us to fail. This is only part one of understanding how to get serious about your sacrifice. And if you're going to understand why do I need to get serious about my sacrifice, stop thinking about the car the pastor is driving. Stop thinking about who's getting paid in the church and who's not getting paid in the church. Stop thinking about what you could have done with that money. Stop thinking about how much time you got to do other things with that you can't give God. 
his time and begin to just understand why does God want me to sacrifice? He wants me to sacrifice so that I can establish self-control in my life. Why does he want me to establish self-control in my life? Because if I can handle and control the things that I have control over, then I can resist the enemy anytime he comes to me. Because I put things in perspective. And when I put things in perspective, I can make a plan that determines how I perform. This is the word of God for the people of God. Say amen. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather with you today. We thank you for this opportunity to share.